now, who's going to read from John chapter 10. The reading can be found on page 1016 of the Green Bibles. Okay, and we're reading from John chapter 10, beginning at the first verse. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, Val, thanks very much for reading, and uh, Judith for your, your prayers. Judith mentioned the PCC there in the prayers meeting tomorrow. We are uh, a number of things to discuss. We're looking ahead to the APCM, the annual meeting on the 26th of April. We're uh, looking and, and, and just thinking about how we might go about uh, thinking particularly about our financial giving at the moment, uh, a sort of stewardship campaign, and we're, we're thinking and mulling and praying over that, the finances of the church. Um, we're looking at uh, also how the PCC understands itself and a paper from a, a conference that a, a few of us went on recently. So uh, a few things there. And if you want to know more about um, what the PCC does, who they are, uh, maybe 
even you, you sense God might be nudging you to be thinking about being involved in the leadership of the church in, in that way, then do come and see me or Judith on the PCC, Alan at the back, uh, various others, Sean I can see here, members of the PCC. Do have a chat with them. Uh, as we've got John 10 open in front of us, let's pray. Father, here's this uh, familiar story to a number of us, this picture of a shepherd and sheep. And Lord, we ask that this morning you would teach us in such a way that we can hear your voice. We can know you as we know you know us. That you'd encourage us and gird us to be obedient in hearing your voice and living out what you tell us to do. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. Now, just to say, uh, I've got these um, A5 sheets, I think, tucked in the Bible with the order of service. I'll be following that as a a route plan, if you like. And uh, at the back of church, as there has been for this series uh, some notes that sort of flesh out what I might want to, to say in, in full, if you like, with one or two ex- exercises and things that we'll look to do um, midweek, Tuesday across in the hall, Wednesday in Rigart Road. Love any of you. You don't have to be in a group in order to come and join us. I'm thrilled that a few people have come along who uh, aren't usually part of the midweek group, group but have wanted to sort of uh, feedback off the sermon um, or, or just look into it a little bit more. So do come and join us uh, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I want to talk this morning about, I've entitled it, Tuning Into God, Hearing His Voice, and um, the importance of hearing God within the context of this struggle, this battle that we uh, are engaged in, as the heavenly realms become more apparent to us, as we see with spiritual insight into the, the mysterious things of God, then we'll need to hear His voice ever more acutely in order to discern what's going on, where he wants us to be, what's coming against us, where has the enemy uh, thrown a fiery dart, gained an element of topos. This may sound like gobbledygook if you've not been with us on the series, but they're all on the website if you want to download the talks and catch up. Here we are, John chapter 10. Jesus talking to the Pharisees who, just to put in context, chapter 9, have been um, deeply suspicious uh, of this healing of a man born blind. Uh, They've been snooping around and investigating the healing. They've got cross and angry, what you might say, a number of strongholds have emerged, surfaced, as the kingdom of God is breaking in person by person. This this blind man has been able to to see. He ends up, you'll see... um, um, uh, uh, verse, right at the end, verse 38 of chapter 9. The man who has encountered Jesus now and sees him with his healed eyes, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. A sign, a sure sign of the kingdom breaking in. And so Jesus tells this story to the, the Pharisees, chapter 10 and verse 1, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. There's a legitimate way to come into relationship with God. And it's through 
the gate. Jesus later on says, I am the gate. We come into relationship with God through Jesus. We can be part of his church family by just tripping into a building like this and sitting uh, here. We can sing songs. We can say amen to prayers. We can read the Bible. We can do all sorts of things that Christians do. But if we have not come to the Father through the Son, if we have not come into the sheep pen through the gate, Jesus says, I am the gate, then we can't be counted as part of the sheep. But of course, when we do, when we recognize who Jesus is, we reach out our hand to be held by his so that uh, he calls us into new relationship. He lives in us and we in him. Then, of course, we are sheep of the pen. We're sheep of the pasture. And the shepherd calls us by name. Look at that, verse 3. The sheep listen to his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. There's a shepherd in this story who calls sheep by name, who leads them out and guides them. And there are sheep who listen to the shepherd's voice and who know his voice. Verse 4. And it's interesting, isn't it? You look in uh, verse 6, as Jesus uses this figure of speech, the Pharisees, John records, did not understand what he was telling them. They, they can't yet see there. The eyes of their hearts so hardened that they cannot see what Jesus is talking about. Referring, uh, as he goes on to explain, to himself as the good shepherd who knows his sheep by name. So that, verse 14, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep. It's a term of intimacy there, isn't it? A sense of, there's, there's, that's the possessive adjective a pronoun, my sheep, and my sheep know me. There are um, one or two, I've used this illustration before, but there are one or two ladies in the church here who are called Joe, but there's only one Joe that I could legitimately call my Joe, that's my wife. It would be inappropriate for me to refer to any other Joe in this congregation as my Joe. It would beg questions, not least from my wife. <laughs> my Joe, there's... There's a kind of, there's an intimacy there. There's a protection. There's a kind of possessiveness. There's a desire. I, 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 I love you all um, as part of my ministry, but I love Joe uniquely over and above all of you. There's a, there's a desire. There's a security. There's a protection that is uh, just endemic in that relationship. Jesus says that the good shepherd's knows my sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just to pause for a moment. Within the context of exploring, hearing God's voice more clearly, more precisely, more regularly. It's born out of the knowledge that God knows us and that we know him. Can I ask, have you have you heard the Lord call your name? Do you know that he knows you? Do you know that you know him? Because you see, all the while that the Lord is a, a kind of just a term of reference, a concept, someone slightly distant, out there rather than in here, 
I want to ask how we'll ever expect to hear his voice. How we'll ever expect to be intimately guided and directed by him. How we'll ever come to receive his discipline as part of his overall guidance and maturing process for our life. How will that ever happen if he's a kind of subject to be studied, a monument to be observed, rather than a person to be known? Do you know him? Have you heard him call your name? It seems to me from what Jesus teaches here that we can extrapolate, he doesn't teach it directly, but I think we're we're clearly meant to infer that all believers can hear the voice of God. All believers can hear the voice of God. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here, and um, it would be, I think it's apparent from from verse 6, they did not understand what he was telling them, that there is a kind of distance, and uh, we maybe, it's it's not for us ultimately to judge, but we can surmise that maybe some of the Pharisees did not receive Jesus, did not know truly who he was, were, were not true believers. But Jesus goes on to speak in verse 16 of other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. He's using the uh, metaphor, the analogy. And commentators have understood him to mean that uh, this particular sheepfold, it was the, the history and the traditions of Judaism, and that Jesus is referring to a time when his uh, covenant, his, his, his relationship will extend beyond Judaism to other traditions, other peoples, other backgrounds. He's referring to the, the, the worldwide church as we understand it today. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. One flock, the holy Catholic apostolic church. The shepherd, Jesus. And of all that, the sheep in that flock, of all Christian believers, Jesus says, they too will listen to my voice. He wouldn't have said that unless it was obvious that in some way all those believers, from wherever they've come, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, whoever they are, all in one flock under one shepherd are able to hear his voice. And we know that, uh, in fact, I was going to have them on the screen, but let's, let's practice turning a few pages to page uh, 1032. Just we find our way around Scripture for these different references that are so important to this theme, tuning into God. This is when Peter picks up the, prophet, uh, the prophecy of Joel, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 17. Joel had prophesied this several hundred years before uh, Christ came. Christ comes and says, uh, after his resurrection, wait until you receive the Spirit, and then you'll be my witnesses throughout the whole known world. And uh, chapter 2, as we know, is Pentecost, and the outpouring of the Spirit at that particular feast. And uh, people are bewildered. What's going on? Um, Are these people drunk, out of their mind? Peter says no. And inspired by the Spirit, he recalls the prophecy of Joel. And look, verse 17 In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Extraordinary prophecy fulfilled as Peter understands it and interprets it in that day. From then on, pour out my spirit on all people. Now, it was originally prophesied within the covenants of Israel. So I think we take it to mean not every single person in the entire world, but every single believing person, everyone within the new covenant, certainly all of us, I will pour out my spirit. Can I ask, are you conscious of having received this outpouring? Would you say, if I or anyone were to ask you, have you, have you received the outpouring of the Spirit that was prophesied and which came to be into being at Pentecost? Would you be able to say, yes, I have? Wonderful. Do you notice what the fruit of it is, the evidence of it is, that sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. Some wag once observed, yeah, but the middle-aged men will still run the church, devoid of any revelation. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. They will reveal the deep things of God and make them known. How will they do that? Unless they hear from him. They hear his voice. All believers can hear the voice of God. Secondly, and just to say, I think this is a point worth making and something I want to explore midweek. God, in revealing himself to us, in speaking to us, and I want to qualify that in just a few minutes, often speaks quite specifically. He often speaks quite specifically. I've put... um, some examples here, but actually, wouldn't that just stand to reason? If God has revealed his general will to us in the pages of Scripture, but at the same time has some particular things that he would like particular people to do at a particular time, if he has a specific will alongside overlaying his general will, not in contradiction to it, but but, uh, embroidering it or just going alongside it, enhancing it, enlivening it, then don't you think he would make it known to us? Ought we be be surprised that God speaks to us sometimes quite specifically? I've put down two, there could have been a number of examples there in the uh, the New Testament. Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip was on the way to Gaza, on the road down there, and, and the Lord is very specific. I want you to go down here on that road heading south, and I want you to meet with this Ethiopian. And having received that specific word from the Lord, he intuited it and sensed it. When he meets this Ethiopian, how much more emboldened do you think Philip is? Ah, this is the guy the Lord told me about. Well, well, something's going to happen now. I know something's going to happen because the Lord has kind of gone ahead and made this appointment for me. Or picture Ananias. Did you know Ananias in Acts chapter 9? I've put the reference there. He's the disciple that the Lord chose to first receive Saul. Saul, later Paul, but Saul at the time who was breathing murderous threats, who'd already slain and been responsible for the death of Stephen and countless other Christians. And now here's a Christian who's being invited to receive Saul and to pray for him. My goodness, 
That's a, it's a courageous thing to be obedient to that word, isn't it? But it's very precise. If you look at the reference, he tells him to go to a particular house on a particular street, the Lord. He doesn't just sort of say, you know, sort of waftily, thou shalt be led. He says, I'll tell you exactly. I want you to go to this place at this time and meet this man. And I suspect with an element of trepidation and the temptation to fear, Ananias goes. But having gone to that exact place at that exact time and met this guy, how much more emboldened do you imagine? How much more encouraged do you imagine Ananias was as he sees the exact precise word of the Lord come true? And so he's able to uh, lead Saul to Christ, or at least Saul has encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, but he's able to be the one who, who nurtures that, uh, that encounter, teaches him, and is the first to disciple him. What a privilege. Precisely because God spoke to Ananias specifically. All believers can hear God's voice. God often speaks to believers quite specifically. I wonder whether we're open to hearing quite specifically from the Lord, not just generally, but specifically. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Who is it you want me to encounter? Is there anyone I should ring, uh, write a letter to? Should I visit anyone today? Lord, I have this time um, available next month. As I can see a, a patch of time. What do you want me to do with that? Have you got a plan or a strategy? I wonder if we've ever thought of asking the Lord as specifically as that and waiting expectantly for him to lead and guide us. It seems that he did this in Scripture. It seems that that's how Jesus lived his life day by day by day. I do nothing except that which the Father reveals to me. Constantly, he's online, as it were, to the Father, receiving downloads for where to be, who to be with, and what's going on in this situation and behind that person. Is that just sort of a fleshly kind of over-exuberance or is that demonic manifestation? Jesus always seemed to know because the Father was revealing these things to him. And we're called to live Jesus' lives, to be his followers, his sheep, who know his voice. But here's my final point, and it's a question, as you'll see on the sheet. Uh, and maybe it's over the terminology that it becomes confusing. How do we hear the voice of God? Is it, is this, because you see, most people's voices, like the, the voice you're hearing now, it's, it's audibly expressed and you're receiving it through your ears and, you know, through your physical senses. Do we hear God's voice in the same way? And I think it helps if we can turn back to John, and at this time, chapter 16, when Jesus is talking about the promised spirit. Uh, it's the bottom of 1023. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Look, verse 12, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. So Jesus has things to tell us, but he can't tell the disciples then. So how are they going to know? what he wants to say, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. 
That is why I've said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Do you hear the speech language there? Jesus has things to say. The Holy Spirit will speak. The Holy Spirit will tell. The Holy Spirit will make known. I, I like that, that last make known phrase. Literally, the, I was just checking the original stuff. Literally, it means we'll interpret what is mysterious. The Holy Spirit will interpret what is mysterious. We'll encounter the things of God that initially we won't understand. A bit like the Pharisees didn't understand that story of the sheep and the shepherd. And Jesus sends his spirit to live in us, and his spirit living in us will interpret what we don't quite yet see, what we don't quite yet understand. That actually, I think, is the element of prophecy. Things being made clear, revealed. How does God, through his spirit, make things clear to us? Well, he can use the mind. Uh, a, A verse that we know from Scripture, just becomes clear in our mind. We're reminded of it. Or maybe it's a a word or a phrase, some truth of God. And it comes to mind. We say, oh yeah, I I was brought to mind. I was reminded, reminded. My mind was refocused. Sometimes it's through the body, actually. I know often uh, my own experience and, and others as well have been praying for people uh, and particularly, I guess, again, within the realm of uh, perhaps physical healing uh, or, or inner emotional healing, spiritual wholeness. And uh, very often, one can get a kind of sense, a sort of heightened awareness in a part of the body. It, it might just be literally on, on the sort of in the gut. Uh, it might be uh, the mind or, uh, uh, the, say, a tingling sensation in the hands. And very often, the Lord can use our bodies to communicate what it is that he wants us to pray for, specifically. Very often, I think it's in the, what I call the, the biblical heart, or the, uh, if I put it on the notes, yeah, the imagination. And I think often the Lord can sow a picture that just begins to form in our mind's eye, we might say. It, it, it's just a sort of intuition, a hunch, if you like. And the more we sort of bring this hunch to the Lord, the clearer it seems to become. Very often I find that pictures can begin to live. It's like a sort of little animation. And the key then is to say, well, Lord, I, I seem, there's, there's this picture that's come to mind. Is that from you? Are you trying to speak to me? What is it that you're wanting to say through this picture? What, is, what are you revealing here? How am I to understand it? Please help me to know how to apply that. Is it for me? Is it for someone else? Is it for a situation? Is it for now or later? The Lord loves us asking these questions. If it brings clarification on his voice speaking to us. I have to say to you, I've never heard an audible voice which I take to be from the Lord. Uh, I know uh, my training incumbent made an appointment in his church on the basis of a voice that he, he heard out loud that he took to be from the Lord. And he made what actually turned out to be a very wise appointment. Um, That's the only person that I can claim to know who's heard an audible voice. But I know countless Christians, many of us in this congregation, who profess to hearing the voice of the Lord, as it were, as the Spirit makes him known. Final thing, and here I I need to finish. Some confusion sometimes between um, God's Word, a, a nickname, if you like, for the Bible, and God speaking to us in what appears to be ways sort of outside of the Bible. 
Um, I could be on the bus or driving the car or washing up, and, and the Lord will speak to me. Or I'm praying some other time with the Bible closed, and the Lord speaks to me or to you. How are we to understand these two? And uh, I've put here the, the map and the mobile final illustration, or it might be perhaps um, to bring it into the 21st century, the map and the sat-nav. So I'm going on a journey, and I look on the map, and there is the, there is the kind of the, the revealed path, the revealed um, uh, journey that I'm to take. It's, it's, it's just there. I can follow it on the map. But I set the sat-nav so that as I drive along that revealed path, I don't, I don't deviate from it to the right or to the left, but as I go along that path, every now and then, a soothing voice. I think you can program these things now to have a voice of your choice, can't you? But um, a, a voice will remind me, will prompt me, will guide me. It doesn't, it doesn't detract from or take away from the revealed uh, 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 journey in the map that I've got to my side. But it complements, it comes alongside. It's there to, to guide and assure me so that I can actually focus on the journey, focus on my driving. The revealed logos, the, the, the word of God, if you like, and the, the living, spoken word, the rima word, it's two words for, for God's speech or word, and they complement each other, so that in quite specific ways, God can guide us, speak to us, assure and encourage us, so that we can be fully equipped for every good task, we can live victorious lives. We can live life and life in all its fullness. Amen.